welcome to I Love That For You, the podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Red. I'm Kelly. And oh boy, uh, I am. <laughs> it just... always starts with that, Red. Yep. I know. I think that's going to be yours. always like, oh the... boy. <laughs> I love that for you. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's a Red episode. But I am currently <gasps> sitting in my apartment sweating. Oh, it's it. so warm over here. Really like humid, sticky, Tropical. 80 something degrees. And I am. Also trying to hide from the sun because I we're gonna go into it today because segue yeah, it's just minute yeah. in, a minute in she's segueing. <laughs> but mm. I think okay, Kelly, tell me, when you were younger, like what were the things that made you feel like appearance wise a little insecure? It's so funny. I didn't know this was our topic for today and I I just happened to write the substack for today, uh, called It's All About the Hair my biggest insecurity until probably about three years ago, maybe. I I had jet black hair, nothing too crazy. But the thing is, I inherited my dad's like, he calls it a Jufro. It's just, you know, the very <laughs> thick, curly, Medusa-like hair instead of my mom's straight, luscious locks. So that became, oh God, my Achilles heel. Like I had, I had lice in fourth grade that was going around Mm. our school big time. And I was one of the fortunate two to get it in my class. So chop that off and then had a very unflattering haircut, which I got made fun of for. And then I wanted to be a cool kid in middle school. So I got my hair dyed by the daughter of one of my dad's clients who was trying to be a hairstylist and she almost set my hair on fire <laughs> like no joke and it was yellow I like I looked like a Sorensen. I'm sorry if you didn't almost set your hair on fire during high school were, did you even have you a even high, school high school experience it's a good point <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, so I joined the ranks of that, but it was funny because the the popular girls were like, "Oh, hello! I can acknowledge your existence now because somehow this makes you relevant." <laughs> but I was very self conscious about it, so I had it color corrected immediately. Then came the uh, "Let's just fry my hair to a crisp" era, where I would just straighten this thick ass hair for, you know, like an hour plus every day with no heat protecting spray at all. So just split end city, like wouldn't grow, just awful, disgusting. (laughs) So I would often just put it up like a headband and like this ponytail and never really like that's, you know, that's how one attracts a uh, boyfriend and it no wonder I never did because I didn't have hair to speak of to show. I was very self-conscious. Um, and then came the out here in LA, you know, hair still isn't growing. And I started to get extensions and Brazilian blowouts. And that shit is not cheap and very no, expensive. No, it's not. Oh, my God. And it's funny, like, the this is going to be the wrong step. But, like, my hairstylist, who is one of my longest relationships, like, longer than Sean, like, I love her. Shout out Michelle if you're listening. Something like 85% of women in the city get hair extensions of some sort. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I guess not, right? I thought it'd be more, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. But I just thought that was crazy. It's like, okay, so nobody has real hair out here? So I 
I had to do that for years, even though I didn't have the money just to get my hair to grow because with this hair in, I didn't have to straighten it at least because if I didn't have it in, I'd have this thick curly bob that wouldn't go past my shoulders and it looked gross. And so this allowed me to not straighten it every day. So finally, I'd say this is in like maybe 2018, 2019. One day, like I didn't straighten my hair. I got out of the shower and Sean was there and it was just in its natural, like curly self. Like we were in our early stages of dating. So I was still in my best mm-hmm. behavior and trying to like impress him. And he's like, girl, <laughs> why don't you just like, it looks really good. Like, why don't you just let your hair go naturally? Like let it curl. Like I like it. Oh. It looks really good on you. And I was like, oh, hmm. Okay. And and I did, and it finally grew. And I've I even had people who go to that same hair, you know, salon as me say, "Whoa, your hair! That it's transformed." Like they've seen my hair journey. They've been through the hair journey with me. I had the wedding hair of my dreams, long. Oh my god, your hair curl was waves. stunning. Thank you. It was everything. I was like, I never thought I would get here, though. So. That was just my hair, but the other, the other insecurity <laughs> is I have scoliosis and I had to wear a back brace. Um, in oh, high school. I'm sorry. I got it from my mom. Thanks, mom. I love you, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. And I learned to live with it. Thankfully, it never got as bad as hers, but you know, it still hurts. And I'm a runner and doing certain things and certain poses uh, with yoga or you know activities hurt me. And I had to wear that brace, which is super uncomfortable and sweaty and just not ideal. Thankfully, people didn't make fun of me though, so that was good. But oh, I'd say good. yeah, my hair and my back were just the biggest insecurities for me growing up and then of Mm. course my teeth but everybody had fucked up teeth (laughs) in their childhood (laughs) with the braces and whatnot lucky you because i didn't get my braces till like later in life like really 20 something oh yeah what why so late it just i think it was like a financial thing for a little bit and like also there's four kids and like trying to figure it out and just that was the thing like it was funny because then (laughs) I actually had this experience where I went to go buy a lottery ticket and I'm 20 something and the person was like, I need to see ID. And I'm like, seriously? Like, what the hell? Because like, I couldn't even talk right because like, again, I'm not making fun of anybody who has a speech impediment. I actually have a speech impediment for one. So I was struggling to relearn how to talk properly with braces in. And so I just remember and somebody was with me and they're like, wow, did you just like revert to like the teenage version of yourself? We're gonna have to oh god, no! Because there was there's something. There's some time where I basically all my photos were me smiling with my mouth closed because I did not want anyone to see my braces. Ditto. At that age, there's like and a year of me the, not smiling. <laughs> oh yeah. What's kind of nice is that, as annoying as that was, I I know this is gonna sound like a brag, but I do get mistaken for being younger than I am. And I think a lot of that. Younger than you are, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, spiritually, yes. But also, I would say my skin was at first my biggest, biggest, biggest insecurity. I am a very, 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 very pale woman. It doesn't show as much um, in photos and things like that. Thank you, filters. But (laughs) I have been a very pale person and I physically cannot tan. I burn and then I go right back to very white. Yeah. It's uh, very unfortunate. Yeah. Basically, I used to... I grew up in Rhode Island, which is a very beach 
kind of place. I mean, we're the ocean state and I kind of stood out a lot because my skin was so pale next to a lot of girls who would go to the beach and tan and my sister would tan and they'd be like, okay, who's adopted? Because you two don't look like you are related. Like, because I was so pale. And unfortunately, I did get bullied for it. I got, I remember one time, one of the worst ones was probably I was walking down the street with my friends and in East Greenwich, which is a lovely area. This is not, I'm not saying this is typical behavior there. And somebody was driving by and they leaned out the window and yelled, go fucking tanning, Casper. And I just was like, I was 13 or 14. I just was like, what? What did I... But here's the thing, like, because I am so pale, I started taking care, like I had to, in order not to burn, I had to take care of my skin, sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. I like, oh my God, I would have given anything to have like an outdoor shower that just sprayed sunscreen because (laughs) that is how much I had to apply. And I like going to the beach, but it's such a hassle to like build like a little umbrella and hide and all that because Again, I have to reapply so much. And my sister is complete opposite. She tans like you wouldn't believe. She takes after my dad. And then the boys are kind of mixed in the sense of like they have skin that can tan. My older brother, he definitely burns more than he tans. Um, and he was a fisherman. So uh, that wasn't. A- yeah. But he would actually be able to tan. And I just never have been able to. And for the longest time, it really bothered me. But then... I think that also kind of led to me going into pinup because that was kind of the ideal look was to have that kind of paler skin and to, you know, and obviously I now because of all the sunscreen that I've worn, my skin doesn't look like it looks much younger. I have younger relatives who would go tanning all the time and everybody thinks they're older who are meeting them for the first time than me. I not mean, like you look like you're not older, a day but... over 21 let's come on i mean i am, well i'm not like, saying like <laughs> again i i know i don't look exactly my age but like i know i look older like i should have well, been carded for that lot of come 25. on <laughs> <laughs> but oh. it took me a while to kind of embrace that kind of side of myself and now it's like part of who i am and my beauty oh. i feel a lot more confident in how I look and I enjoy doing makeup. And that's the thing. I'm going into study makeup artistry and I want to be able to learn other skin types because I know how to do my own, but I know my skin type isn't so common. So I feel Um, like the best way for me to learn and be able to help other people see how beautiful they are, like no matter what their skin is or anything like that would be for me to learn how to do that and how to recognize that. And so that's why I'm like really excited about this new chapter. Red, I'm so excited for you. Just speaking of beauty and what's beautiful and not like Instagram and filters and Photoshop. Uh What are your, talk, talk to me a little bit about that because now that you're, you know, you're killing it in the modeling community world like do you hey hey, hey. remember this is like i'm still very much like amateur like i'm not a paid professional i am somebody who does it so but i will say there's been at the time of this recording i am in three magazines and on the cover of one which is a no big deal (laughs) wild to me and like these are just i 
shocked at that. Like, oh. again, but I love being able to see, like, representation in different types of magazines and things like that. And so I understand why we get nervous about, you know, filters and, you know, these unrealistic expectations of, you know, social media and your ability to, you know, tweak the little things that bother you. But like, I've done at it. the same done time, <laughs> oh, girl, you know, I've done that. Please. I know, but like, it's just like, oh, I hate myself for it. And we all do it. But it's like, who are we doing this for ourselves or for other people? It's like, what do we really look like? It's just like the social media aspect of it makes it all a comparison game. And I just want to accept myself mm-hmm. for who I am. And I kind of spiral. I don't know about you. If you like see a picture you don't like or you have to edit it to oh, put it online. I there's definitely some photos <laughs> of me. Oh, yeah. Especially when I know I was uncomfortable, I can see it in myself. Oh, you can. Um, I'm, other people do not, but I can definitely see the moments mm. where I'm like, oh, I'm not happy with how I look and I, I can tell I look uncomfortable. Oh. But I will say, I think though, as much as we like tweak and make these little adjustments, I think it's I'm not going to say like, oh, don't do that. You have to like, because again, like makeup, I think it's a choice that you can do. Whatever is going to make you feel most comfortable about yourself and fully represent yourself as you. Right. Because I fully support women who, and men who choose not to wear any makeup. They yep. prefer like natural look, yep. like actual natural, not like, oh, she wears no makeup. And so I applaud people who do that. But if other people also feel more of themselves, myself, I am one of those people. I feel better when I have makeup on. I feel like it's kind of like my war paint. I like to just (laughs) – that helps me get ready. It helps me feel more confident. It's not so much hiding the things as to me, it's bringing out the things that I want to highlight. And that's the thing. I think at the end of the day, you just want to feel that confidence, whether it's putting a filter on something – I mean, the you want it to be where it's – if you're doing these things, you're doing it for you. You shouldn't be doing it because you're like, oh, this person likes me better because of this mm-hmm. or someone's going to – I'm going to be accepted more if I do it this way as opposed to just embracing the skin you're in, you know? Right. There's yeah. – I think there is that difference. And I- <laughs> some people, they modify their whole bodies just to look – teenagers like and, and a lot of uh 20-somethings maybe I don't know like it just I could never have come up today as a teenager <laughs> because oh, I feel seeing like all the things that they do feel at the worst they probably are affected the worst TikTok and yeah Instagram mm-hmm. it's just just a comparison game it's everybody wants to be an influencer now like that's like the number one profession that people in Gen Z and Alpha cite is they want to be an influencer mm-hmm. and my God, how toxic that can be. And I'm glad we just missed it. <laughs> but we still face I know, it, though, we, is what we're saying. We still, we still are do. grappling with it today. Yeah, And I think that's why we need people who are going to at least try, you know, flaws and all to be the most authentic version of themselves while also being a representation of, you know, their background, their history, their the things that they love, the things that they hate, like just owning all of it. I think that's really important to see people like that. And that's why. Segway, Look at this segue. Look at this segue. <laughs> dun, 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 your best one yet. Okay. Well, well, I'm going to say this, though. 
you are going to be so proud of me because you may recall you gave me an assignment of not doing a historical figure. (laughs) Oh, it's somebody who's alive? Somebody. (gasps) Oh, honey, not only are they alive, there's two of them. Red. I, I'm highlighting two people today. No. Oh my god! And I have literally zero clue. I have no idea what she's doing. So I am just as invested and interested as you listeners. I have no prep, no idea. So I am so excited. Okay. Oh my god, Red! Tell me, tell me, tell me. What's what are we doing? Okay. What are we doing? So we are going to be focusing on two people who have, in my opinion, changed the game on representation within modeling, and that is because. Both of these people are people with albinism. Mm-hmm. Oh, good tie-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. I mean, you're not, you don't have albinism, <laughs> no, no, no. People, <laughs> No, no, no. I will say this. I have been called an albino before as oh, someone. Wow. Yeah. And also, we are going to be referring to people with albinism unless it's specifically stated as an albino. People find that term offensive. Some, t- some people like the term other people's don't, but because we are both not people with albinism, we are not going to be referring to that as that. Don't want to give away who I'm talking about yet. Yeah. But, all right. So to go into it, I just wanted to, because, you know, I can't completely get away from historical stuff and all that. I know. Um, It'll be a red episode. (laughs) Absolutely not. So, Kelly, what would your guess be on how many people, like one out of you think are born with albinism oh boy all right let's see one out of a million so it's actually even though it's rare it's a lot more common than we realize it's in europe and north america one in twenty thousand people will have the condition whoa oh my god which is a lot more than yeah but what's interesting too is in sub-saharan africa because Basically, um, genetically, people, there was a longer practice of like intermarriage. Um, so genetics would kind of, you know, come into play a little bit more and the recessive gene that would carry that would actually come in. So they actually say one in 5,000. Oh my God. Or oh, one in 15,000. There's a lot of missing data by country. So we don't have all the research, which is why that range. But yeah, there's a lot more people who oh, have wow. this. Oh my god! I, I think we realize. I, I never really. I I don't have a lot of interaction with that community, so I way overshot. No, it's more. Common I mean, than same. Both thought. Wow. Right, and as someone who has been called the offensive version of albino, and like, yeah. I'm just saying, I am not part of that community, but I think it's important that we shed some light onto them because we don't hear that much, and unfortunately, there's also a lot of myths surrounding it because it's not as common, and it is so striking when you see someone who has that condition so i'm here today to dispel some myths as well please do yes oh my gosh wow so one of the first most common myths apparently is that albinism is contagious yeah who thought it was yeah so apparently this was a long time myth and so communities would actually shun people not only people with the condition but the people who gave birth to them typically the mothers for doing this like but for the record it's a genetic condition it's passed on by both parents each parent must be a carrier and both must pass on the gene for someone to have it it oh, cannot be caught it is not contagious i cannot stress this enough however 
I will say also point number two, even if you are born with albinism, it is not a curse or a punishment. <clears throat> Apparently, people think that albinism is a result of past wrongs that someone has done and they are being punished for it. Wow. No, 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 no. Again, oh it is a genetic condition wow. that the results of it are they are the lack or total absence of melanin, basically pigmentation in the body. There's nothing else to it. You're not some past life form of you did not go and like steal from a church or like burn down an <laughs> orphanage. You did not. No, 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 no. This is not what that's the result of. Wow. Also, people born with albinism, one myth is that they are for some reason less intellectual. God, <laughs> this ridiculous. is not the case. So again, this merely affects the level of melanin in the body. It has nothing to do with the brain. And most people have average levels of intelligence. However, because of the lack of melanin, that actually affects the development of the eyes. So most people will suffer from significant vision impairment, which can affect your learning and education outcomes if you can't see. Like, like Leo Fender. If, Shout out to Leo Fender from last exactly. episode. Exactly. Yeah. If you have impaired eyesight and you aren't getting, you don't have access to what you need in order to see what you're trying to learn, it's going to affect how you're educated. So, wow. but again, it's not because of albinism itself. Huh. This one actually is a pretty common one and one I can see people having this misconception. There is a myth that people with albinism have red eyes. <laughs> I'm sure we've seen some photos and things like that. And people with this condition actually have eyes that range from blue to brown, but it's the lack of melanin that makes the condition because the light is not absorbed by the eyes, but instead it's reflected back out. So that leads to a reddish glow in certain lighting conditions. And so if you have lighter eyes, it's definitely going to appear like you have red eyes. I see. Okay. So it's not actually, it's just a reflection out. That's interesting. Okay. This one's really interesting too, which is something I wouldn't know. There's the myth that all people with albinism have white skin and hair. <laughs> and no, it's not true. There's actually many types of albinism. There's OCA, oculocutaneous albinism. That's the one that affects the skin, the hair, and the eyes. So that's the one that's probably the most common that we see. And what's interesting is, guess how many people carry this mutation of the gene? Uh, a lot more than I one thought. One in... <laughs> one in... Yeah, so how many do... One in 5,000? One in 70. Wait, What? One in 70 people no, have stop. this mutation. It's just both parents have to have the recessive gene and then both pass it on. And again, uh, genetics be wild. So sometimes even if they both have it, it doesn't get carried on, which will come up later in one of the people's story. Wow, that's um, insane. That's it, a crazy fact. Right. There's also ocular albinism, which is basically almost exclusively happening in males and basically, they have reduced coloring in the retina and the iris. It doesn't affect their skin or hair, though. Oh. So it's just their eyes. Huh. So you, they might have it, but you wouldn't know. The other three are even more rare. And these ones actually have other issues. They're Hermansky-Pudlick syndrome. It's very rare, and it's caused by a defect in one of 10 genes. And it has similar uh, symptoms, but it also occurs with lung, bowel, and bleeding disorders. And it's more common in Puerto Rico. 
There's also Chediac Higashi syndrome, and that's a rare form that results in a defect in the list gene, LYST. There's been fewer than 500 cases of this, and it produces similar to the most common form, but it does not affect all the areas of the skin. Um, And it's usually more of a creamy white to a grayish skin tone, and Mm -hmm. hair is usually brown or blonde, but they have like a silvery sheen to it. There's a defect in the white blood cells, which also increases their risk of infections. And then finally, this one is the most rare, Griselli syndrome. It's so rare. There's only 150 known cases of this worldwide between 1978 and 2018. Like it's incredibly rare. And that's because it not only has albinism, but there's immune issues and neurological issues. And unfortunately, those who have it usually pass away within the first decade of their life. So, you know, our hearts go out to anybody who's ever had to go through experiencing that or their loved ones who have. And hopefully in that short time, they get a full life in that shorter time. But going back to our myths, this one is a huge one. And I think you and I are going to realize, oh my God, how much have we seen this? Because there is the myth that people with albinism are evil. Mm. Wait, what? Think about this for a minute. This is a myth that's been perpetuated by society, but been reinforced by Hollywood. The Uh, evil albino is a common plot device, and I'm just going to tell you some of the examples because I found pages totally dedicated to this, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think about this. Let's point out the twins in Matrix Reloaded, both twins with albinism. You have Silas from The Da Vinci Code, both in the book and in the movie, played by Paul Bettany. Weirdly, both Gary Busey and his son, Jake Busey, have played evil, uh, again, I'm going by their terminology, evil albinos in Contact and Lethal Weapon. Also, one of my absolute favorite movies has a character called the albino, and that's the movie The Princess Bride. <gasps> oh, that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. We'll come back to this one, though. Yeah, he's right doing you, all yeah. the torturing. Yeah. In the oh, pits of despair. Oh. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> sorry, the pits of despair. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It's a very funny moment, but it's, yeah, obviously oh, wow. they're ridiculing this person and he's a bad person. He's helping torture Wesley. Wow. Oh my God, I love that movie. Classic. We even see it in cartoons. Ice Age, Dawn of Dinosaurs, Rudy is the antagonist, and going back to another Jack Black reference... You might remember Lord Shen, an albino peacock, is the main nemesis in Kung Fu Panda. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. And even if they're not evil, they're being ridiculed, such as Powder in the movie and book Powder. Or there's the character, coming back to my shout out, of Casper, also called Whitey or Q-Tip in Me, Myself, and Irene, who ends up being a potential assassin. Wow. And these are just some of the examples. There's so many more. I could just send you a whole list. It's just such a common trope that, again, we're calling it evil albino because that is the outdated term for this. Oh, my God. I, I, it's right in front of you, but you don't really process it until you're looking right. for it, right? But there's probably uh-huh. so many more, as you mentioned, that we've uh-huh. seen. Cartoons, just, like, anime, literature. Yeah. Wow. It's something about someone looking so different and so striking that people are afraid. And it's ridiculous. So this one, this one's going to hurt. 
The next myth is that people with albinism can cure HIV and their body parts possess magical properties. So between 2000 and 2013, the UN Human Rights Office received more than 200 reports of killings and dismemberings of people with albinism for ritual purposes in 15 countries. What? This was recent. Yeah. I mean, there's not a ton of cases, but it's happening. 200 reported cases. That's not to say there's ones that go unreported as well. That's a lot. And this one, ooh, prepare to get mad. They also, part of this myth is that some parts of Africa, they believe that having sex with someone with that, with the condition can cure HIV, which is not true, but has led to violent rapes and rising HIV infections because they are intentionally, people with it are doing that. As someone who is an assault survivor, this made my blood boil to hear that. And I am so sorry. And I see you and I believe you. And you do not deserve for this to happen to you. So just reaffirming people with albinism do not possess magical properties nor the cure to like the power to cure disease. Okay. Or Can we? They're okay. not evil too. It's like so interesting. The spectrum of myth, like it's from evil right. to curing HIV. Exactly. And that's the other thing. <laughs> this one almost made me laugh. People with albinism cannot go outside during the day. <laughs> they are not vampires. <laughs> <laughs> They're cursed, they're they, evil, they're vampires, they're curing things. <laughs> it's just all over Exactly. The right. Mm. And again, as someone who is paler, not, I don't lack melanin to this level, but I don't have the same ability. So I understand there is sensitivity when you go out in the sun. But just like me, people with albinism just need protective clothing, sunscreen, and a hat. Basically all year round to minimize the risk of damage from the sun. Yeah. You're- yeah. Practicing safe sun. Like, I respect yeah. that. <laughs> Most <people> exactly. Don't. <laughs> and again, some people think that albinism only affects appearance. As we said, melanin is integral for developing skin, hair, and eye color, but it's also for the development of healthy vision. So, as we've already said, they will have significant vision loss due to the lack of melanin, and they could have basically reduced visual ability. They could also have rapid involuntary movement of the eyes, difficult dealing with glare, and problems with distance vision and depth depth perception. So again, these aren't things that, you know, obviously it's to varying extents. And just like anybody else, there are ways to help treat vision impairments like glasses or dealing having surgeries or having treatments and things like that. This is a completely a condition that is livable. It's not something like unless you have the very, very rare forms where there's other conditions involved. But to say it's only a visual thing, that's not everything to it. You have to remember that this is a little bit more than that. But you can live with this a long, healthy, and regular life. (laughs) So finally, because... People aren't terrible enough. And again, we're going to get into the good stuff. Don't worry. I was going to say, when is the good stuff coming? This is a (laughs) dopamine podcast. Where's the good? I know, but (laughs) the dopamine is letting people know that these things are wrong and that we don't have to hear any of this. It's not true. If anyone tells you this stuff and tells you that I'm wrong, come talk to me. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) I have the sources. I will back this up. Anyways, but people also had the myth that people with albinism are the results of the mixture of two races. 
Mm-hmm. Meaning that if you, you know, had an interrace marriage, that you would have a child. And again, it comes back to those kind of racist kind of thoughts of you're being punished for this. And it's like, first off, people with albinism are beautiful, wonderful people. I mean, they're people, so maybe not all of them are great, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it's not because of that that they are the way that they are, like personality wise. But I will say to totally go against that whole idea, the rates of albinism in particular in Africa are higher because of the intermarriage, like I talked about. So because of the limited gene pool, people weren't actually marrying different races and things like that. They were actually marrying within. So it literally is just a genetic thing, not carried by one background or another. If you just happen to both carry it, it could happen. And it's not a negative thing. It's, you're not being punished. You have a child that is going to have a skin tone that is different than other people, some visual possible difficulties there, but otherwise they're just like any other kid. So I'm just saying bullshit, 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 bullshit. <laughs> to all, all these myths because of that to further illustrate that people with albinism are beautiful and just like you and me, Kelly, Though we may say they're even better because of the (laughs) fact. I wanted to highlight Connie Chu and Sean Ross, the widely recognized as world's first fashion model with albinism and first male international model with albinism, amongst other career successes. Oh, I yeah, love that's this right. For we that got already. some supermodels <laughs> coming through. Oh my God, I'm looking at Connie now in our drive. We sent those pictures. Uh-huh. Wow, she's gorgeous. So look at Connie because ladies first. Yeah, Connie ladies was first. born in Connie was born in 1969 in British Hong Kong, the fourth child out of five, and she was the only one born with albinism. Huh. So when we're talking about parents carrying this gene, again, genetics be wild. You don't know how certain recessive genes are going to come forward, which one will present. And so one out of five kids having the condition, yeah, that's not actually that surprising. What's really lovely is that this family is super supportive and caring, like as you should be, but so much so to help her avoid exposure to the intense Hong Kong sun, the family actually moved to Sweden for her when she was seven. So she was actually studying journalism at 21 years old when her older sister, who was studying fashion, asked her to model for an end-of-term fashion show. And that's when Connie became hooked. She loved the experience so much, and she decided to take part in 12 more shows, some of them open to the public. And basically, from there, she decided to send a black and white photo of herself with her phone number on the back to the French fashion designer Jean-Paul Gaultier. This would change her life because he would see this photo and months later he called her and invited her to model in his haute couture show in Paris in January 1994. She is 24 years old. So from then on, she begins going on catwalks. She's on magazine covers and she's even in music videos such as one for Bonnie Tyler where she got to be this beautiful angel and uh also for a piece for this group recoil this was alan wilder from depeche mode this was their solo work oh wow what's really nice is like she mentioned there was one shoot where she said she was on a playground wearing a big blue furry coat which she said made her look like a fashionable cookie monster 
<laughs> All the kids nearby came over and they just started sitting and playing with her. And she said, this helped her see most children are not born scared. They are born curious. Or maybe they wanted to stroke the big blue furry coat. That's her <laughs> quote. Not me. That's not me. That's her. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the other models actually would give her a hard time. She overheard one saying she was only there because of her white hair and pale skin, to which Connie pointed out that all the models were there because of their looks, including her. <laughs> Drop that mic, Connie. Drop that mic, Connie. <laughs> so now she's 54 and she's still doing her modeling, but she's also balancing that with her singing career. She is a jazz musician who is what? often invited to perform at major events and jazz clubs. What? Connie. Right? Just living her best life. Right? Oh, yeah, I love it for you. <laughs> what badass. Um, Okay, but we're not done. We are not done. I know, but I already because... love it for her. I just love Connie so much. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. What else? So Connie walked so that other models with albinism could run. And oh my God, did Sean Ross run. <laughs> yes. So yes. Sean Ross, he was born on May 10th, 1991. Oh. <gasps> He's a baby. I We're mean, he's two years twins. younger. Like, <laughs> on May 5th. That's so, oh my God. Are you? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God, cute. So he was raised in the Bronx and as an African-American boy with albinism, he was bullied a lot. He was called Powder, Whiteout, and once again, people are just not that creative, Casper. Oh, I knew it. Thankfully, he was born into a very creative family who encouraged basically all of them to explore their passions and he actually began dancing at six years old so he enrolled and trained at the alvin ailey american dance theater for five years before he was discovered on youtube and then he crossed over into the fashion industry in 2008 at 16 years old so he can barely drive and he's walking the runway okay okay (laughs) okay okay but think about that like so he was represented by Dejami Models and also signed to AMCK Models London. And wow. from there, he is just a star that continues to shine. Not only has he been in different fashion campaigns, walked walk the runway, been in magazines, but he's also appeared in some music videos. Oh, it was just some artists like, oh, I don't know, Katy Perry. Beyonce, Steve Aoki, Lana Del Rey, and Leona Lewis, just to name a few. Oh my God, Sean. Oh, right? <laughs> oh, just wait, because there's more. Of course. Not only is he an accomplished dancer and international model, but he has started releasing his own music as well, including the single Symmetry that he released in November 2017, which featured Lizzo on background vocals. <gasps> Stop. I had no idea. Right? What? Oh and my God. also performed at LA Pride in 2019. Oh, shit. And as an openly gay man, he is active in the underground ballroom scene where he is said to <gasps> vogue as a member of the House of Extravaganza. Oh, my God. Stop. And if that wasn't enough, Kelly, he's going to need your advice because he just got engaged to model and actor David Allen Madrick on August 10th, 2022. Oh my God. 
good. Congratulations. Look at the screenshot I put in there and we will share this to our social, the post that they did <gasps> of just this stunning announcement. I believe he did a ethically like not I think it's one of those diamonds that they make in a lab or something like that so that oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have an it's a conflict-free diamond but look at that ring look that at is that ring oh, stunning and you know what's funny i attended the live cast reading of princess bride uh that they did <gasps> and sean actually took on the role which was renamed to the man with albinism formerly known as the albino he unfortunately had some tech issues from when I watched oh. it. So his he basically couldn't be heard, but he was able to join at the end and he was there um, doing his best. Um, unfortunately, it was just, again, because it was all during prime days of COVID that it was a webcast live reading. And honestly, if people can find the taping of it, it's incredible. The whole cast comes back that are all still living. Rob Reiner came on. They told great stories afterwards. And he and Sean came in and... Although, his again, his lines couldn't be heard, he also got to join at the end and have a discussion about, you know, what that whole experience was like. And it just was so lovely. And oh. I honestly cried. And I could cry again oh. because, again, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I'm loving that they tried to do justice more for the communities that were poorly misrepresented in media at the time. Oh. So very, very that. long story short. I'm going to sum this up with a quote from Connie, and this is directed for people with albinism, but I think this is actually beautiful advice for everyone, which her quote is, if I only get to say one thing to a child or young person with albinism, it would be believe in yourself. Life is not always easy, and it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. At the end of the day, you are the best person to figure out what you can do and how far you can go. Appreciate people who help you and surround yourself with good people who see and love you for the person you are, for all that you are. So with that said, I have to say I love that for you, Connie and Sean. What a good – I'm glad you didn't tell me. <laughs> I know, right? I have to, And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little choked up right now because no. it just – I think that's so beautiful to hear. Oh. Like, And I know skin, again, it's just it, – like there's the whole – spectrum of skin tones and things and you know there are people who have you know even if it's not a condition if they're too pale or they're too dark or they're too they're people are sometimes cruel but the thing is there are so many beautiful people out there from all different walks of life as we say and to see representation and to see it done so beautifully as well and to advocate both of them are advocates against bullying and things like that it's just so beautiful to see that and i'm so inspired by both of them just being so just putting themselves out there knowing that putting themselves on a platform like that does put them in the light of ridicule and for cruelty and instead it's being met with success and with encouragement and people also thinking about connie is Asian and Sean is African American. So imagine also trying to find your identity within a culture while also being a part of another, you know, condition and another community that, you know, sometimes people within communities within communities aren't always the most accepting. But at the same time, you have to find those, like she said, for 
who are going to see and love you for the person you are, for all that you are. Yeah, now I'm getting choked up. <laughs> That's oh, my heart. And you thought I wasn't going to turn this around into something hopeful. I know. I know. I was worried. I was Don't like, you hey, doubt me. Sad. But now it's like uplifting. And I'm so glad. Right. To because there, again, like, we forward. know that these, these things, the myths that I said, while they are shocking and incredibly unfortunate to ever have been thought that they were believed we know that they are myths anyone who tells you otherwise come talk to us come we talk got to you us. we we'll will <laughs> we're all best we are not here. threatening <laughs> violence on this show okay but just me. we no. will we will protect yes. those who see themselves as different and who see themselves in a way that maybe isn't accepted by communities but you have a community here and we love you and we support you and that's why we love that for both of them and we love all of you so again please reach out to us on our socials our email we'd love to hear from you other people you may want to spotlight other communities that you think need to be seen or heard or we want to hear from all of you and yeah kelly is there anything else you want to add or if you want to be on the podcast yourself, listener, <laughs> if you're a trailblazer yeah. or a late bloomer, we'll be happy to have you. So please, yeah, yeah, reach out, connect, email This us. podcast is for all of you as much as it is for both of us. Yes. And so we want this to be a safe space. We want this to be a place where everyone is welcome. Ding. No hate between people. Inspiring. So. No hate. We're, we're here to Yep. Check your hate at the door. You will not come in if you door. are going to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> There's, you can't no one's calling us. anyone Casper unless <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one's calling anyone Casper unless their name is Casper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are not ridiculing see. people here. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So yes, reach out. We'd love to connect with you. Love to hear from you. And until next time, we love that for you. See you next time. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.